This is the Performance Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jared Sinclair. Today, we're going to continue our conversation on airway and how airway impacts performance. As you know, the, the whole premise of my podcast is how, how do we have individuals that are out there in the world expanding performance, uh, driving capacity, and leading change? And how are they doing these, these things in the spaces that they're in? So today, we have a great guest. His name is Dr. Ray Kiefer. Uh, Dr. Kiefer is the, the owner um, and an orthodontist of Kiefer Orthodontics in Encinitas, California. So Dr. Kiefer, welcome. Thank you. As you know, we, we discussed a little bit before we came, we, we pushed the record button today. I talked with Laura Walls, you know, good, a good friend of yours, uh, an acquaintance of mine. And last week we had her on and she was talking about airway from the, from the perspective of Mayo. So I was hoping to get into that airway portion and how airway affects, uh, you know, kids and adults and maybe your role in that. But before we go there, can, can, can you tell our listeners just a little bit about how you got started, where you're at, what you're doing? Um, sure. A little background about you. Um, so uh, I grew up in Encinitas. Um, the office that I practice in, my dad was also an orthodontist, so I got all of my orthodontics done here, both by him and uh, a bit on myself. So my dad was kind of always one foot outside of the box as far as uh, back then the, the big thing to do was were extractions. And I went to an extraction heavy school at USC. Uh, so I was, uh, as I came out um, and started practicing with him, he the first thing he did was he sent me to a course that uh, actually talked a bit more about non-extraction. So mm -hmm. at, at that point, I started to learn the importance of room for the tongue, uh, how extractions can collapse a profile, uh, and just the, the benefits of uh, expansion. So I, I practice that way. I, I've been practicing now for 30 years. <clears throat> and um, about 10 years ago, one of my colleagues talked me into taking an airway course. Um, I have four kids. And uh, I thought it was normal for uh, a youngster to come in and wake you up in the middle of the night and then proceed to beat the heck out of you all night long because they were active sleepers. Every one of my kids did that, and, and which speaks to the, the genetics of, of what can happen to an entire family. But so I, I took the first course and as I was listening, um, I had this revelation. The first one was, oh my God, that's my son. Uh, and then I proceeded to, as I learned more, I, I thought I identified just about every family member, including myself. Um, so from that point forward, I, I was really intrigued and, and hooked. I drank the Kool-Aid yeah. and my, my goal really was, uh, one of my kids was, was really, he was difficult. Uh, he, he was really good outside of the house, but inside he was, he was just always grumpy, poor sleeper. He'd wake up multiple times at night. Um, uh, you know, I, and I was just trying to figure out, I, I knew that was not normal. Um, long story short, we got him my son. Um, he's about 20 now. And uh, at 19, he finally got his tonsils out. Okay. And he had have, had, he has ADHD, difficulty concentrating, couldn't wake up. He'd sleep through three alarms. Um, and I knew that he was just struggling with life in general. And uh, he got his tonsils out 
and he made this pretty significant leap forward in his ability to sleep through the night. And then I continued to, I, I mean, honestly, I, I, he's had so many appliances. All of my kids have had a lot of orthodontic appliances in their mouths. I, I, I like learning new things. And, and as I would learn new things, I would, frankly, I'd try it out on my kids. You know? Sure. Uh, so he had had a bunch of uh, appliances in his mouth and, and um, I kind of let him make this decision. The last one that, that we used uh, brought him from sleeping pretty well through the night to sleeping very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to add on to that, some of the things that Laura probably covered last week in, in her seminar as far as being able to breathe well through your nose, uh, it was gravy. It, it just made him sleep better. So he, he is doing well now. And, um, you know, so I, I started to incorporate these ideas into, uh, my practice, you know, uh, when I would learn it, I would, I would start to incorporate into it. And, and it became me not necessarily wanting to create this great smile, but rather creating a more healthy individual that functioned better. Yeah. So Uh, you, you are an orthodontist, Dr. Keeper, correct? Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about your practice and we'll kind of come back and revisit where we're, you know, not only talking aesthetics, but functionality of uh, somebody's. uh, Yeah. I'd say your typical orthodontic practice probably sees, tends to a lot of kids. Mm -hmm. Um, Generally uh, the idea is you see someone if the, the, the first time you want to see someone is somewhere between six to eight years of age, uh, you know, you do a first phase and then you do a second phase. Um, and that was kind of me. Uh, I developed the um, reputation, I guess, of, of, of treating people with TMJ and adults with challenging cases. So I do have a, a pretty high population of, of uh, adults in my practice as well. I, I treat all types and uh, the more I've learned with this, the, the, the younger I was willing to see kids. And it's now probably, I'd say down to about five, perhaps four, um, because the earlier you can address this, the, the more successful you, uh, you have a bigger window and, and mm-hmm. a, a bigger impact on a growing individual that's, you know, growing quickly and, and, uh, better capable to adapt at, at this younger age. Are you referring specifically to the airway stuff? Yes. Okay. Okay. Excellent. So what, what, what inspired you to become like to backtrack a little bit, what inspired you to become an orthodontist? Did you, I mean, were you, were you growing up saying, I'm going to do this, you know, saw dad. No, whatever? it was actually the last thing I considered. Okay. <laughs> Say <laughs> more. Because my dad was an orthodontist. Uh-huh. So I, I honestly, I didn't, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, well, I wanted to surf is what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a professional surfer. And uh, okay. I uh, quickly learned I didn't have the skill set to be to excel at surfing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's still a passion, but uh, it's more of just something that I like to do at this point. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I went through school, I was uh, in high school, I, I, you know, I was an okay student, I didn't think I was great. Mm-hmm. Um, in college, I uh, went to junior college for a couple of years. Uh, first year of, of uh, junior college, I would go check the surf before I'd go to, to college. And so if it was good, I'd just go out surfing. Uh-huh. And, um, and then about uh, halfway through um, the year, I got challenged by a calculus teacher. 
And that kind of, uh, and I, and I ended up, you know, just committing and putting everything into it. And, mm -hmm. and then I was, I at least had some direction as to wanting to go to college. So I ended up transferring to San Luis Obispo, had a biology degree and about uh, my junior year, I realized, shoot, I'm going to have a biology degree. I know I don't want to do research. What am I going to do with this? Mm -hmm. So I started looking at a bunch of stuff and didn't really uh, like anything that, that I was finding. And, and uh, my dad actually took me out to breakfast one morning, saw that I was kind of struggling with uh, my decision, suggested I do dentistry. And it was like this light went off and I'm like, well, but yeah, I guess I could try that. Yeah, <laughs> nice. And uh, so I, I got into to dental school and um, my goal was just to survive at first. Mm. And then I found that I was doing okay. And, and at that point then I thought, well, yeah, I'd like to become an orthodontist and, you know, work with my dad. Um, so I was, I was uh, lucky enough to be able to get into a program. I went to USC and um, they kind of taught me the basics and, and I really learned a lot working with my dad for seven years. And then um, after those seven years, I really got into continuing education and, and trying new things. So part, part of that was getting into orthodontics, then you went back to school to, yes. for orthodontics. Okay. Yeah. So you have to do uh, uh, continuing, uh, uh, get like either a certificate or mm -hmm. uh, a thesis program uh, okay. after dental school. Excellent. And then, so what made you get into airway? Like what, um, yeah, I know your kids were involved and we talked about that a little bit, but how did that path go? Is there any specific training that goes into that? Any specific technology? Um, um, it was a continuing education. Uh, it was basically a residency that mm -hmm. uh, lasted over about a year. Okay. Uh, Dr. Mark Cruz um, was the main guy that, that set this up. And there was another orthodontist um, Barry, uh, I forget his last name right now. Um, but, uh, so they, they introduced me to the, the whole idea mm -hmm. and I really, like I said, I drank the Kool-Aid. I, it made yeah. a lot of sense to me, uh, cause I, the, over my career, I always wondered, but could never explain why people ground so much and why my cases would relapse. You mean where they're actually like grinding their teeth, like down yeah, right? yeah like like, surfaces and, and stuff there's so many people that are unaware of grinding and and really the way that a dentist or an orthodontist or you know whatever especially can tell if they are doing it is by looking at the teeth so uh, you know people's teeth that are kind of pointy in the back they don't grind as much although they can clench i, I knew that people were grinding and, and destroying my retainers and 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 their dentition and, you know, it happened at a much higher rate than I, I felt was acceptable. Uh, so I was always trying to figure out why did this happen? And then it was about 15, 16 years ago, I, I met Laura and um, she started to explain to me uh, the, the importance of the musculature. So from her, I was able to really appreciate uh, why my cases were relapsing. And, you know, now I tell people if there's a soft tissue problem, grinding, mouth breathing, um, tongue thrust, then I'm going to lose, you know, so I'm going to try and push the teeth into this nice big arch 
but they're going to win if they're grinding and mouth breathing. Yeah. So what's so, that, what does that treatment look like? If you come before the Mayo, based on what you're saying, if I understand this correctly, then perhaps you might have to have like a retreatment on the ortho side or, or yeah. there's some complexities there, right? So how does, what, what's the ideal scenario look like? Ideal scenario is early treatment, um, typically expansion or what we call protraction. So, okay, so when it, when it comes to why I believe people grind, um, usually happens in deep sleep and REM sleep, which is a, a deep cycle of sleep where the person is very relaxed. So in that stage of sleep, that's the highest chance that the pharynx, the tube that you're breathing through, is going to collapse. And also when we sleep, uh, th there's a high chance that the nose isn't going to work properly. The way the nose works is it, it cycles. One side will work for about 90 minutes. There's turbinates on the inside that humidify, filter, and heat the air. So they will shrink on the side that's working and they'll condition the air. And then after about 90 minutes, they get kind of dried out. So then they'll swell up and start to self-repair. So they, they swell up with blood. The other side's supposed to shrink down. If there's a problem on either side or both, the brain will recognize typically in the deep sleep cycle that the air is not flowing and it'll it's important to breathe. So it'll tell that person to, to open up their mouth and breathe. When that happens, uh, then they'll grind and they'll have a fitful night's sleep. They'll move around a lot because they're in light sleep. Uh, same thing happens if there's a partial collapse of the pharynx, which is typically from the tongue or the soft palate. Uh, that will reduce the oxygen saturation in the blood. And then same thing will happen. The person will get woken up and they'll grind. Uh, and then sometimes if it's real intense, if it completely blocks off, then you'll have an apneic event, which creates negative pressure, which can cause acid regurgitation. Um, so there, there's this, uh, these symptoms that we look for in individuals that, uh, are struggling with this. Mm -hmm. How do some so, of those symptoms maybe affect, uh, you know, kids like, you know, performance at school or behaviorally or developmentally, or maybe even adults by, by having these things occur and not addressing them? How does, how can that impact somebody? Yeah. So there, there's a high, I believe that there's a high incidence of, uh, ADHD that potentially is impacted by these, uh, um, sequences that, that I've that I just reviewed. Are we talking, uh, so, I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt Dr. Kiefer. Are we talking ADHD is like um, manifesting itself more? It's becoming more prevalent because of these airway issues or is it these uh, airway issues manifesting themselves as ADHD or being misdiagnosed as ADHD instead of an airway issue? I think a lot of times they, it, it's possible that they're misdiagnosed as ADHD. I think there is a higher prevalence and uh, the, the, the airway community believes that this is really because uh, of diet and uh, our mouths and our noses are not developing as robust as they used to because of this change in diet. And like breath is a, a very popular book that kind of dives into this a little bit, you know, looks into ways of, of addressing this and, and trying to change it. I, I believe, uh, I thought breath was a great book. That was another thing that kind of really helped me to understand it a little bit better and, okay. and got me super interested in it. 
Yeah. So let's say somebody, somebody's, you know, they're, they're waking up exhausted or they see their, their child having behavioral issues, or maybe they're just not getting a good night's sleep. Like what path should they take? Um, you know, where do they start? Who do they call? What, what type of professional do they call? Do they go to their doctor? Do they go to you? Do they go to, to Laura? Like, where do they start? It's a good question. Um, preferably someone that has some training um, or background in, in airway ideals, mm -hmm. uh, which typically I think you can find online. Um, I'm lucky in that I, you know, I'm in a very progressive area and that I'm able to work with Laura. Uh, mm -hmm. She's close enough to do. So I, I do send a lot of, of my clientele over there um, with the idea that I change structure and, and she's going to help recruit the muscles and breathing to support what I'm trying to um, as I've done this, I've learned, um, things to look for. So I will screen people, uh, and we have questionnaires that, that can, you know, uh, I like the, the airway questionnaires to, to further dive into that. Um, if someone's trained, uh, in that area, then they're going to take a deeper dive, uh, rather than just say, oh yeah, you can do Invisalign, you know, yeah. and, and you know, this will this will fix it. It's not just doing Invisalign. It's, it's managing, having kind of a, a, a multifaceted approach to address it. Yeah. So I've been in your office before and I know, I know you got a lot of technology in there. One of the things is that imaging device that you have, you know, I, I haven't seen a lot of those in a lot of dental practice. I've seen some, but can you talk a little bit about that and what it helps you uh, do for your patients? The CBCT? Yeah. Okay. Cone beam uh, technology, it's, uh, it's a, I think that it's an incredibly useful tool. It's a basically a three-dimensional x-ray of the head. And what I look for, I can see the sinuses, I can see adenoids, I can see tonsils, I can see the position of the tongue, I can measure the volume of the airway. Um, so I, I think that's a, a really excellent tool and, and a, a an imperative tool to helping see what the structural challenges are for somebody. Um, so um, if, if there's enlarged tonsils, then that's going to impact the volume of the pharynx. If there's a deviated septum, then that's going to affect the nose breathing. If there's enlarged uh, turbinates, then that's going to affect nose breathing. Uh, so those are the things that I look for structurally. Uh, and then the questionnaires are really, the questionnaires are important because you can see how people are functioning because some people may have enlarged tonsils mm -hmm. uh, and may not be able to breathe that well through their nose, but they may sleep fine, yeah. you know, and, and they might not be struggling like some of the other people that are out there. So mm -hmm. I really base it on symptoms. Um, but then also, of course, the, the structure of everything is super important. And then the, the function of the musculature is super important. Yeah. The other thing that we should talk about that, that Laura probably discussed are um, ties, uh, like a, a lip tie, a tongue tie, definitely become more of a hot subject. Um, it, it, like a tongue tie, possibly even a lip tie, would show up early on, typically with difficult feeding, difficulty with breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. When I say difficulty with breastfeeding, uh, a mom is not supposed to get mastitis. Uh, 
the child's not really supposed to get uh, gas uh, and be colicky. Um, you know, so it, it will first typically show up with uh, ties. And I think they're now much better at screening for the ties, you know, when, when a child is born, yeah. particularly the, um, uh, the people helping out um, early on, or, or I think are trained now to, to look for that. There's a lot more information out there and, and knowledge out there um, uh, with these things. But that if someone has difficulty breathing, then that starts, I mean, early on, if they're different, if they're not breathing well, then they're not sleeping well and their brain's not developing well. So then that sets them up for uh, ADHD and, and other issues, uh, developmental yeah. issues. So that's kind of the path. The path is, you know, is your, is your airway volume wise appropriate uh, to where it's not disrupting you, your sleep, your breathing? Because if it is, then you go down this path of behavioral or, or cognitive or developmental issues yes. that occur. Okay. How does it manifest itself in adults? Like if I was looking, if I was walking down the street or sitting at a restaurant looking at somebody, how would I know, or my family members, you know, sitting across the table, how would I know that something might be going on with their airway? Uh, one thing that's pretty obvious to me, uh, you know, with looking at faces all day long is vertical growth. So, uh, if there's difficulty closing lips, if there's mentalis strain to keep the lips closed, um, the vertical growth means if, if you look from the side, if their jaw is growing this way rather than square, uh, again, there's genetics in there, but uh, when that starts to happen, the growth of the posterior teeth becomes excessive. So, uh, maybe a lot of the audience might not remember who um, some of the, like if you, some of the comedians there, Carol Burnett, I think is a perfect example. Um, I'm dating myself, but um, <laughs> she, great comedian, but she had a comedic face, long face, kind of a horsey, she showed a lot of gum tissue. Uh, and, and so her face developed partly because of genetics but I think mostly because she couldn't breathe through her nose, likely couldn't breathe through her nose. I don't know firsthand, of course. Yeah. But um, when the when when they can't breathe well through their nose, the tongue that's helping to develop the palate and also push the upper teeth forward is not up where it's supposed to be. It's on the floor of the mouth, and uh, so then the soft tissue kind of pushes inward, so they develop kind of a V-shaped jaw which squirts the front teeth forward. Sometimes the lip will get stuck underneath it and that will make it worse and also reduce the forward growth of the lower jaw. Uh, and then this growth this way makes the jaw look like it's retrusive. Okay. So it's this long-term growth pattern of not being able to breathe through their nose that really greatly impacts uh, people as they're growing and then Typically, they're going to have underlying issues mm -hmm. as they're growing. Uh, grinding is, is a really common one. Yeah. Uh, poor sleep now is a very mm -hmm. common one, too. Uh, but they, uh, youth is wonderful at, at uh, getting us through these you know, non-ideal things. But as soon as you hit your 40s sure. and 50s, then, then it really sets in. Yeah. You know? So I do see a lot of people in their 50s um, and, and actually a lot of people in 60s and 70s as well.
how might treatment look differently? I mean, for kids that are they're still forming, right? They're still developing. But what what about adults or people who might be more advanced in their age? I mean, how do you how do you address those issues? Does the treatment look different? Uh, yes, and, it, and again, it comes back to what their goal is, and then mm -hmm. also how severely they're struggling. Yeah. Um, it can affect your health, uh, sleep apnea. There's, I saw, I don't know if it's changed, but I saw a statistic a while ago where they, the, the statistic thrown out was that 50% uh, of people that have heart attacks have sleep apnea. Wow. So the, what happens with sleep apnea is your heart has to work a lot harder when mm -hmm. it's supposed to be recovering at night, it's running a marathon or a sprint because mm -hmm. you're not breathing. So. Yeah. It has a high variance of, of heart rate. Uh, so then there can be thickening uh, of the heart and, um, and then eventually uh, atrial fibrillation can set in. So that seems to be one of the first things with atrial fibrillation, then you're going to start throwing clots. So you can have uh, strokes um, or blood clots and mm -hmm. ultimately uh, congestive heart failure. So my dad was a, terrible snore he struggled with sleep apnea and which mm -hmm. he didn't really start managing until later first of all he wore an appliance that held his jaw forward mm -hmm. and that or it's not always ideal because that can make teeth move so people will you know it'll affect their bite sometimes and then my dad managed it with a CPAP but he had that that sequence of um, symptoms that I told you about lived into a, well into his 80s but the, the last couple of years were not there they weren't happy times for him you know yeah. particularly the last six months yeah. and he eventually uh, passed away from congestive heart failure yeah so we, we look for uh those kinds of uh, of symptoms health wise mm -hmm. and then as it as it relates to treating them if 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 there's severe sleep apnea it's likely that the CPAP's not perfectly managing it. It's not the best option. Um, there are options to do double jaw surgery, and basically they move the teeth forward. Uh, for some people, expansion of the palate is very effective, but as an adult, um, you at least have to use an expander with uh, screws that go into the palate. Uh, sometimes a, a surgical procedure in addition to that, which is not terribly invasive, but still it's, it's surgery. Yeah. Um, so that's one way to uh, address it there. There's other surgeries, the periodontal surgery where we can expand the envelope of movement by putting bone grafting down. Uh, and for some people just Invisalign and expansion and, and myofunctional therapy and some treatment with, uh, NRT, which I think, uh, Laura discussed, it's a, nasal re release technique to yeah. uh, with balloons to right. expand the nasal sciences. So there, there's a lot of uh, non-invasive ways of, of addressing it and also more invasive ways, depending on how severe it is. Sure. So on top of these, uh, you know, in-office procedures or outpatient procedures, whatever you want to call them, are there any lifestyle choices that people can take to help improve their, their airway issues? Absolutely. Uh, conditioning your diaphragm. So I prescribed a Wim Hof and his breathing technique. I, I think it's, it's great. And the side benefit is it makes you feel great too. Um, recently I've been doing cold plunges 
uh, and uh, your overall, uh, I, I think, you know, with, with, I know with men and, and women, we s struggle with a diminishment of uh, our hormones. So it's possible to boost your, your testosterone actually with a cold plunge. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that makes you feel great too. And it also reduces inflammation. So, um, exercise also and diet, I think are super important. Supplementation is important. Um, in general, uh, as far as supplementation, I think the guidance from a really good naturopath or a functional, uh, medicine, um, individual or, or a, a doctor that is just super aware of that and, and, uh, you know, has a, a good appreciation for supplementation rather than treatment with uh, medication, which is, it seems to be the way they're taught, you know, yeah. nowadays. Yeah. So there are some things that we can do that aren't so extreme as, you know, like expanders with screws into the palate and whatnot, like kind of preventive yeah. type things. Yeah. Actually biofeedback, I think is a, a an excellent way of, uh, sometimes that, that can help people sleep and also it can help them manage stress. Are you talking about like those rings or those watches people could wear to kind of get uh, in tune with the Biofeedback is actually uh, electrodes that uh, some people will do. Okay. Um, uh, I know some chiropractors will do it and uh, and then maybe some other people. I, I've, I, I get a lot of information from my clientele and, and suggestions. Mm -hmm. um, there's uh, the chiropractic work can be good, uh, acupuncture um, osteopathic therapy. Uh, mm -hmm. there, there's so many things, at least in this area yeah. that are available to people. Um, I think yoga and Pilates, you know, I, all of that stuff's going to help. Sure. Those are some great tips there. If we can pivot real quick, is there anything that you would, uh, want people to know about your profession and kind of what you do as a dentist an orthodontist, you know, an entrepreneur, a leader within your space, uh, that might go unnoticed or is mis misconstrued? Um, the, the one that hit me the hardest was misconstrued. <laughs> yeah. Say more. Uh, well, I think all of us, uh, are, are, should be in it to help people. So, um, you know, if someone feels that I'm trying to, uh, I would say, uh, what would be misconstrued is, is that I, my only goal is to make money off of this. Mm. Um, so uh, it is expensive. Um, but, uh, you know, we, I think we all strive to have a great team of people that is going to help you, you yeah. know, and that team's uh, expensive. Pardon me. And that team's expensive and that equipment's expensive. I'm assuming. Yeah. Practicing in California. Is <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So that, that thing that might be misconstrued is the, just the cost of dentistry or orthodontia and, yeah. then, you know, actually what the cost is to you as a business owner or, you know, somebody else as a business owner. Okay. Um, do you have a recent success story, big or small, whether for you, your team, or maybe, maybe, uh, you know, one of your patients that had a great success story? With I would you? say the most gratifying for me is my son. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, definitely functioning better and being a happier person. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, a, a lot of people that I've worked in conjunction with Laura, mm -hmm. um, whether it be sleeping better, feeling better, mm -hmm. 
um, you know, all of that stuff creates a happier person. So I, one does come to mind um, where I did uh, the expansion with the, she had surgery expansion with mm -hmm. the screws and the pallet. Um, so structurally, I was able to change things and, and really enhance um, the amount of room that was available for her tongue. And this was about the time I was learning how important the, the NRT can be. Um, so that's the idea the nasal, was, that's the nasal release with the pillows, right? Yeah. Okay. And, um, so in general, when I expand a palate, I'm also expanding the nasal volume because that the, you know, sinuses are, uh, the base of the sinuses is the top of the palate. Mm -hmm. So when I expand, we definitely, uh, impact the, the volume, which a lot of times will make it easier to breathe through the nose, but just like uh, if, if, say, an ENT does um, straightens the septum with surgery, um, a lot of times it helps in the beginning, but then the individual re will revert back to mouth breathing, partly because um, the base of the brain has been telling this person their whole life that they can't breathe through their nose. So somehow you have to, you have to convince your brain that you can breathe through your nose. If that doesn't happen, then if you're not using your nose, then nitric oxide, which is released by the turbinates in the nose, um, will not be released. You have to be nose breathing in order for the nitric oxide to be released. So then the, the turbinates will swell up again. Um, so on this individual that I'm thinking about, um, she was a very negative person. And um, so I expanded her. Initially, she could breathe well, but then she relapsed. And then I, I didn't know what to do. So I referred her to Laura <laughs> and, uh, Laura was just getting into the NRT the nasal release therapy. And, um, she started doing it. And then she did this intensive, uh, period where she was doing it every day. And all of a sudden, um, there was, must've been a cyst in there that had developed oh, and wow. it released. Okay. And, uh, all of a sudden too, this person could really breathe through her nose well. Wow. And the next time I saw her, she was like a different person to the wow. point where my team was looking at me like, what the hell happened to her? Like, <laughs> yeah. What is she taking? Right, right. She's, yeah. she's taking oxygen is what she's taking. She uh -huh. could breathe better and sleep better. Yeah. Had a huge impact on, sure. on her personality and her ability to sleep at night. So, yeah. Those kind of like the, the, that was a really profound example of someone just it, it changed her life. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. uh, you know, so that that's really gratifying to to see that those kinds of things happen. Yeah. Uh, for our clientele. And kind of that ripple out effect, too, because I'm certain that, you know, she impacted you and your team with the change in behavior. I'm certain that within her, her social, you know, circles, things were yeah. a little bit different, too. So or at work. So, yeah, what a great story. All right. Uh, we know you surf. Do you have any other hobbies? I like to golf, mountain bike. Yeah. Golf. I, okay. I just like being outside. Yeah. Uh, love, love the outdoors. Yeah. I, I still have four kids at home, so they keep me busy. Yeah. Um, so I'm just trying to, uh, you know, main goal is to, to guide them and, and uh, hope to get them successful in life and, and sure. not living in my house. 
uh, that takes a lot of my time. <laughs> yeah. 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 Not quite there, but I'll be there one day. We're, we're approaching that. So yeah. yeah. Are you reading any books right now or listening to any podcasts? That... Um, not right now. Just, uh, you know, I'll burn through some books, sure. um, just fiction. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I don't have a whole lot of personal time and, and you know, when I do get some time, Mm-hmm. Uh, I like watching the Padres, so yeah. I'll just chill in front of, of the TV and watch them. Yeah. Um, and uh, during the day, I'll try to get outside and, and uh, uh, or over to there is a place, uh, Breathe Degrees, that I've been doing the, the cold plunge. Okay. Uh, and, and I've taken up yoga as well since I'm about as stiff as they come. So hopefully yeah. I'll help with that. Yeah, so you're not just pre- preaching it, you know, on, on the show to to show off. You're actually practicing it too. Well, right? you know, I'm 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 getting old, yeah. and I'd say, you know, I I had a, a stressful event that I went through about three years. Well, it was seven years ago, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I really noticed it took a huge toll on how I felt, and so I, I am obsessed with health and trying to feel better. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my days are limited on this earth and, and I, I want to feel good and, and be able to enjoy myself. Yeah. So I, I do, I'm heavy into, I mean, I've tried stem cells. Um, uh, you know, I, I've tried a lot of stuff yeah. and so I'm really looking for what it is that makes me feel good. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then when I find something I can, you know, at least tell people about it. Sure. Uh, I do see a lot of people. Yeah. All right. Last question. If you were to give yourself advice or somebody who's starting out in their professional career that might be considering becoming a dentist or an orthodontist or something of that nature, what advice would you give them? Or what advice would you give yourself if you could? Um, God, I feel like I was just lucky that, that I kind of fell into it. Uh, but regardless of, of what you do, um, as a profession, mm-hmm. uh, I think holding some kind of a passion for that profession, whether it's, uh, you know, for me, I feel like I'm able to help a lot of people. Um, and, uh, I get to, I get to talk with people all day, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's cool. Yeah. So to have some passion associated with, uh, what you do, I think it is empowering and, you know, it gives you purpose. Yeah. Excellent. You could just kind of let people know where they could find you if they want to get in contact with you for uh, some airways. Yeah, I'm on Second Street in Encinitas. Pretty easy for, to for find. The locals, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a beautiful office too, by the way. So if you're if you're you. in need of some braces or some orthodontia or some airway stuff, go check out Dr. Kiefer and his team. Uh, he has an outstanding staff. I've been in his office several times. So. Dr. Kiefer, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate thank you, you sharing a little bit of your wisdom and. You know, I don't know if you're up for it, but I might have to get you and Laura on the same show so we can just kind of talk airway um, and just nerd out a little bit. And dive you deep. sure you want to do that to yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not scared. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, I'm game. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Please subscribe to our show now and join us as we continue to discuss topics that will help you and your teams expand capacity, drive performance, and lead change. Check out our show on YouTube at Performance Collective. To learn more about business performance improvement solutions for the private, public, government, and nonprofit sectors, head on over to SinclairPerformance.com. 
you can connect with us there. 